All right, man. So you're out on an adventure, apparently. What's going on with you, man? Not much. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. good. Hell yeah. Um, you know, pumped up to talk about some thunder like like every day. Um, sure. Except, except for Sunday, like uh, Chick Fil A. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> um, for opposite reasons, though, obviously. Yeah, but. So um, let's talk, bro. Like, we've been talking a lot about Team USA. We've been talking about FIBA, Team Australia, yeah. Team Canada, um, and everything going on in that way. And we've had of some course. pretty, you know, harsh things to say about Team USA. But, but you know, it's pretty easy. We could flip it and look at the other side, right? Yeah. And say, what about it? What about what do you like about Team USA? And why could they win the the whole tournament if if we're playing? devil's advocate because you know vic called us out and i think he was right you know i think there are some things to really like about um yeah dude i fucking love vic first first of all so anytime that uh vic is like uh um you know whatever um i'm all listening to him smart guy if you guys haven't checked it out he has a basketball podcast um mark what was that po- basketball podcast called again all things basketball all things basketball thanks man um all right so let's just go through it i Yesterday, when I decided I wanted to, Corey, move, Jared, what's up? More, more. What's up, Jared? Uh, more, know more about what's happening um, with this USA team and understand more of what's going on. Um, I went to the rankings. You know, obviously, obviously, this is something that's going back and forth, up and down, um, to kind of get an understanding of where USA is. Um, Spain is ranked number one right now. USA is ranked number one, but they're, you know, obviously the second best team they're saying Australia is ranked number one, um, as far as pool play. Um, and they are ranked number third in the world, essentially Argentina, fourth, France, fifth, um, Serbia, sixth. All right. Slovenia, seventh, Lithuania, eighth. Okay, guys. So go down the list. Where's Canada? Canada is like 15th, bro. Really? Three, four, five, six. Man, they're seven, loaded, eight, man. Eight, I was watching some of their highlights from like the other day. It was it's like Shea, Jamal Murray, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort. Like, but I mean, that's this because is nobody. Good team. But think about this, though. If you think about the stars and the other players that are are playing on on even Team USA, they're, they're players that have been established as you know good players or play on large markets, right? Right. Shea does not have that, um, and and Dort doesn't have that. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks and some of these other guys, people don't think very highly of right now. So, like, to me, it's not a diss on these guys. It's just that's what they have to prove everybody else wrong. So when I say that Canada has to prove everybody wrong, I, I truly mean that. But, like, for us to say that, you know, USA is mismatched, um, remarkably mismatched um, to some of these top teams in, uh, that we're going to be playing against, it's it's true. I'm not not going to hold that against USA, but I'm just saying like when, when you're talking about the length that these other teams have, it, it scares me because I, I, I love, I love what USA could be, but right now we're just not there. So with that being said is, I don't know, dude, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like if USA is going to make something big, do mm-hmm. something big, Ant's going to have to come out and average 30 something points a game. You're going to have to see, you know, a, a big play from um, Jalen Brunson, you know, a huge workload there. But my, my biggest in, you know, issue is that the best team, when their best team is on the floor, right, you have Ant, 
six five, six six, something like that, right? He's like six four. Okay. Well, then you have um, Jalen Brunson, six four, six three. Uh, five eleven. I'm serious, dude. Okay, and then you have um, Tyrese. Um, six four, like six five. Yeah. All right. Um, you see what I'm saying now? And, and you know, France, tall and lanky. Argentina, I, I feel like they have some tall and lanky players there. Ar- um, Australia, Australia, obviously tall and lanky. Spain, tall and lanky. You know, Slovenia, Serbia. And, and, and that's why I keep going back to is like, where, where does this team um, going to be able to match up to? But if we're going straight guards against guards, and it, it's, it's small guards against gu- uh, small guards like we saw again in, in Puerto Rico, against Puerto Rico, then, you know, I have a great vibe about it, but it's going to be hard. I'm not, when, when I say I'm dissing this team and I'm making them look bad, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just looking at the competition this year and seeing how we match up just like yeah. I would the Oklahoma city thunder. And I would match up against teams that we're playing against halfway through the year or whatever else like that. I think this team plays just fine too in the, in an environment where um, like a scrimmage type environment. I think they play really well, even in pool play. The question comes down to when you get out of pool play and you're playing against the other winners of their pool, how do you handle the other elite teams? Not the teams that aren't in your class. Sure. Right. Like, and I get one of the things Vic mentioned, I think is worth, you know, focusing on is the fact that when you go down to our bench, our 10th player is an NBA star yeah. at some level, maybe not, um, like an, a superstar or anything like that, but they have like they, they're well a well known player, well respected, and they are even turning down NBA players with high level of talent, and no sure. other team in the in the world has that. But we question sometimes I question their continuity, and then like who is the leader of that team? Sure, and I don't think necessarily some of the other countries have those two problems. Yeah, you you bring up a really good point there. Um, you know, I I do like Brandon Ingram out there. I think that he could do some great things. Um, and uh, you know, the, the players seem to rally around him, but he's not really a loud leader. You know. Um. Again, so I, man, what's up, Wayne? What's up, uh, Moani? Uh, you know, what's up, guys. To me, this is again where I'm coming back to, and I keep on. I'm, I'm trying to go slow on this, and and I'm not trying to sound non-supportive of this usa team that's not me um what i'm saying though is is that there's a lot of work that needs to be done and for this being grant hill's first year as as you know called the commissioner of the usa basketball then i i I think it just has to be known as is that like you know if this team gets third it's not a bad thing it's just not. I'm sorry. You know, people can take it as a bad thing, but if this team gets third, I think that that would be something that you can hang your head on and be like, okay, cool. Because, like, let, let's just be honest. I, I watched the third quarter last night because it was on FS1, um, the USA versus Puerto Rico scrimmage. Like, that game was way closer than people are saying that it was. <laughs> Even the score at the end, you know, like, it was a single digit game up until pretty much like a few minutes left in the third quarter. And and I'm sorry, but like, yeah, it's warm up. Yeah, people are getting used to playing with each other. But, you know, Puerto Rico is getting better. But that's my whole point is that this whole world is getting better. It's not just the USA versus everybody else anymore. 
you know, like the whole world is 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 good and primed, and that everybody has really good players, and they got. You want to go tall and lanky? We go tall and lanky. You want to go um, short and fast? We'll go short and fast. Like, what do you guys want? We'll we'll play against that. And I think that's what the committees that have played in the Olympics and different things like that have done in the past. That they they've learned from their mistakes. You know, they want to make sure that they cover down on both ends. And it's impressive how they put put together their teams. And I I love the Australian team. You know, uh, I butcher every fucking last name, so I'm not going to try to butcher. the coach's last name for Australian basketball. Um, but I want to get to the giddy part, bro. Um, because, you know, we talked about it a little bit last podcast, but, you know, watching Andrew Gaze, you know, I pulled up some film on that, on him. And um, for me, I felt like somebody said in the, in the comment that Andrew Gaze and Josh Giddy were uh, not the same at all. And it's not good to compare them at all. Um, and I understand that, but every child, wants to and child and young man and, and man wants to be compared to uh their idol. Everybody does. Um so I don't think it's wrong for us to say that Andrew Gaze um has uh, a a lot of um uh touch in, in Josh's game. And I, I'm I'm excited about it. Like sixteen points last um last year. Uh he's a player that's proven that he can average almost a triple double. And although that Andrew Gaze his you know his accolades are incredible like second leading score of all time on um in the olympics um you know those are the great you know great things that you see with andrew gaze but i look at josh giddy and i and i say is how far can this young man go you know like he's he's shown that his game really fits the modern day nba and as much as we want to say you can't compare josh giddy to andrew gaze i think it has to go the other way you can't compare josh giddy or you can't compare Andrew Gates to Josh Giddy. You just can't because what Josh is doing is completely different in the aspect of he's dominating the NBA in the prime of the NBA. And that's something that even, you know, the prime of Andrew Gates, I don't know if he could have done that. You know, I don't know if he could have dominated in the way that Josh Giddy is going to dominate in his career. And, and that's not a knock against well, Andrew Gates. It's not a knock against Andrew Gates. I just I'm saying that in old you know respect to Josh Giddy because Josh Giddy in my opinion is going to be the standard for Australian basketball for for many decades. So um one of the comments is you know Giddy's not the shooter that Gaze was and Giddy's a better absolutely. passer than Gaze was. And I look I, I like right. these these up, types Devin? of conversations but I would say like there are two two things that people really question about Josh Giddy's game right now. Okay. Okay. Number one is his shooting from behind the arc, and number two is his defense. What's that bunk? If you think about gro- growth for young Josh Giddy, right? I'm thinking you've got the things that really matter to him, like are like as far as heroes, his dad as an elite defender, and Andrew Gaze as an elite shooter. Sure. Now. People are like, well, he'll never develop into those things other than maybe being around average. I, I doubt that. I, I question it for someone his age. I think people look at him and they say he's a pass first point guard because at this point in his career, his best attribute is passing. But I actually think like he's going to become um, not just average at shooting because that wouldn't be good enough for him. Like he wants to be a Hall of Famer. You know, if you're around average from three-point line, 
It's, it's not helpful. You know, you need to be above average in, in almost everything or be so extraordinary in a couple of things that they're sure. willing to overlook your deficiency in other things. Sure. Growing up, I don't think he ever thought, oh, I'll be a below average defender. No, I think he always imagined himself taking a lot of pride in his defense. And I think he still does. Um, but yeah, okay, you come into the NBA at 19 and, and you're put up against some guys that are six foot 10. And, and you're like, I'm still learning. I'm six foot nine. And of course, it's gonna, he's going to look pretty bad like, at moments. The question is, now that he sees the challenge, you sure. know, will he rise to it as the team around him continues to improve? I've never questioned Giddy's commitment to the defensive side. Yeah. I've never questioned his toughness. And sure. I've never questioned his ability to improve his three-point shot when he really hyper-focuses on it. That's what the challenge of the, the league is. I remember hearing Michael Jordan say, like, he would always listen to his critics as far as to know what he needed to improve his game. Sure. But he never, like, let them define who he was. And I think that's where Giddy is right now. Like, oh, you're weak on defense. You're weak from behind the arc. That's what people are going to tell him until he shuts those motherfuckers down. And then what are they going to do? They're going to pick something a part of his game. They're going to be like, oh, well, he's, he's below average in this particular situation. And they're going to tell him what to work on. And sure. he's going to improve it. But to assume that right now we're seeing prime Josh Giddy is just pure ass nine. It's from people who don't really pay attention. And anybody who's been paying attention to the Thunder over the years understands that the player that you see when you see a player who's 20 years old is not the same player you're going to see when he's 25. Now, yep. that might be the different situation at Orlando Magic or, you know, with the Timberwolves or, you know, different situations like that. But the Thunder, the entire organization, the reputation is built on player development. And Josh Giddy is going to be a superstar, both from behind the arc and defensively, as well as not giving up his passing. And if you look at him like he's a, a threat on all those levels, then yeah, he has a chance for the Hall of Fame. I, I think it's interesting that on defense this next year, Josh Giddy is going to be focused on playing a lot of the forward position, uh, the power forward and small forward. Um, I, I like to break up Josh Giddy's uh, um, two years into four sections, right? Um, every single section of, of his first four sections of his career, I, I, I look at and I say, he's grown here, here, and here. You know, he's done this better. He's done this better. Um, people talk about his scoring as a negative, as 16 points a game isn't good enough as an improvement from his first year. Um, but it's that second or the, the last four um, section that I like to talk about the last, I don't know, 40 games of um, the season um, this last year. Uh, Josh Giddy was playing his true role. What I think he'll be playing this next year is playing a lot of that middle of the zone, playing a lot of the um, side of the zone, um, top of the zone. He's, he's really the, you know, um, uh, Swiss army knife on defense for this team, which doesn't get him a lot of credit. Because it doesn't give him a lot of credit, I think what Josh Giddy is is that um, he's one of the better defenders quietly on this team. Now, a lot of people will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? We play a zone, guys. In a zone, you have to have certain type of players that fit that zone perfectly. Josh Giddy, Josh Giddy plays that zone. He's six you gotta nine. bump the cutter. Yeah, he's big body. He causes you gotta get physical. You got to get in the way of the major offense. issues. Like it doesn't matter where he's at on that zone. He's up top. He's on the wing. He's on the bottom. He he's one of those guys that will play every position in that zone. So having somebody like that, and then all of a sudden putting in the fact that he can steal the ball pretty efficiently. He can get the court court with a, a rebound like he does. 
His vision is on point. And he starts saying, it doesn't matter if he can't put up 20 points a game. When it starts to matter is when you start looking at the last 40 games of last year. The ease that he put 20 points up a game and the 30 points up a game and, and these other crazy stats that he did, it was with ease. It was like you got done with the game and you looked at his stats like, how did Josh get 25 points? I didn't realize that. You know, like, that's what Josh does. Like, people forget about Josh because he's not that flashy J-Dub. He's not that flashy Shea. He's not that ball-dominant uh, uh, dork, you know? He takes what he's given. Sometimes that's 16, sometimes that's 20, sometimes that's 30. He takes what he's given. And to me, that, that, that intelligence is worth way more than somebody that comes out scoring 25 points a game. I would rather have somebody out there that can score 25 points a game if the team needs it or have a triple-double because that's what the team needed. You know, like I, I look at some of these players that can only score, and, and I like Ant. He can score. Lights out. He can pass the ball, right? But his best attribute is just purely scoring. I love talking about Ant because he's 21 years old. You know, he's, he fits the you know, timeline that our players are. And, and I, the more I, I watch his game, the more I respect it. But he is a scoring first guard. And having those type of guards are important, like they're J-dubs, I like, I like to call. J-dubs, um, uh, Dorts, that I like to call, where they get the ball, and they're going to go down, hole, you know, down to the uh, lane, get in the lane if they can. Dort learned to pass it last year, but you know, in the past, he's just gone up with it. So I look at the way that Josh is able to maneuver that and, and understand where he needs to be at in the offense. And there's just not another point guard I would rather that's a young point guard than Josh because of his ability to play everywhere. And everywhere on offense, everywhere on defense. Um, he plays sitting on the bench even well, bro. Yeah, dude. When he sits out of games, bro, he got that swagger. You got to give Coach a lot of credit for developing a system that gives, you know, everybody an opportunity like that. You look back at Josh's triple doubles his rookie year. One of them included, like, I think a 28-point game in Madison Square Garden. Um, you look at Josh's second year, and I think the peak of that was his 30-point playoff game or play-in game against the Pelicans, which oh, yeah. we were not supposed to win. And you look at what he's been able to do year over year improvement. He's a big game player. And one thing that people will look at and say like, well, his average isn't, you know, like you said, you know, it's not 28 a game or whatever, but the ability to go out there and put up 28 point triple double in a situation we need him to and get a win. Um, And also not necessarily feel like he has to get triple doubles for it to be a successful game. Exactly. He, when, Shea was out. He was racking up triple doubles. I think he got four in like a 12-game period um, his rookie year when Shea was out. Shea came back, and the triple doubles weren't even a thing to, to Giddy anymore. Then after the All-Star break, um, you know, he goes out with a hip thing, and it wasn't like, oh, crap. And then he comes into the second year, and it wasn't like, oh, he's just hunting triple doubles. So there's a maturity to that, I think, a recognition that things will happen if they happen. Um, but coach has everybody believing. And um, I do, I think, I think Josh is ready for a real big third year leap. I think a lot of people feel like they kind of know what they expect with his game. So it, it'll be a surprise if he can do what I expect him to do, but it wouldn't surprise me if he, 
if he did step up to um, you know eighteen twenty a game, which but, is really quite but, a bit for for like a third offensive option, really. But if I mean, yeah, it is. But if you think about it, though, like his sixteen points a game, um, if he got more efficient with just what he the shots that he's consistently taking right now, right, and he hit you know an average of two more shots a game, and then he shot around sixty something percent, you know, like from at, oh. at the rim. All right. You know what I'm saying? If, like, he, if he did, if he did, that's, that's talking, step, but right? we're talking such a small number. If we were talking about seven, eight points, it'd be like, nah, nah, nah. But we're talking two shots, four foul, uh, or two, one shot and two foul shots. I mean, that's, we're not talking about craziness right now. So if we add, you know, improvement from J-Dub, um, I think Shea will be improved over this next year from, Maybe different than just scoring, but maybe maybe from a three point land. Um, another year of continuity, coaches a little bit better. Uh, like we could legitimately win over fifty games. I know a lot of people think fifty is the max. No, somebody no. even says seventy, which I feel like mm. I, I love you, Joe. I love the the optimism, but I've only seen two teams ever win seventy. So I think um, it's going to take time. But when you put together all the pieces for this team, if Sam Presti can keep them all together, there is a, a level of talent that I could see redefining what it means to be successful in the regular season, something like what the Warriors did. Sure. Um, yes, we get carried away. I mean, that's what we do. But like, I, I, I watch this team play. And again, what I'm seeing isn't weird or anything else like that, but... Every single time that we shot up 100 shots, our offense looked amazing. It looked on point. We didn't always win those games, but our offense looked on point, right? And I started thinking about it, and I watched, you know, Coach's uh, uh, reaction to those games, right? And he could tell that he was excited. He could tell that his offense looked good and it felt good and everything else like that, you know? And that's where I started taking a step back and kind of like, Maybe this team's, the idea of the offense is way greater than anybody can truly contemplate. Like, maybe it is 95 shots, 100 shots a game. Maybe that is the goal. You know, like, maybe this insane type of, you know, really good quality shots at a very high rate. Why cannot, why, why, that, why, why is that weird? We're, you know, like, why? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. If, we, if we're playing at a really fucking fast pace on offense, getting good shots, like, this team could do some crazy things. And then people are like, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's put a top on at, at 50 wins. But what happens if this team averages 95 shots a game and we shoot pretty efficiently? You know, we get Josh Giddy, We get J-Dub. We get Shea. All of them averaging 20-plus points a game. Maybe not a lot by 20. But what, what if, and, and, and why not think that? I mean, you, you see all these other teams are saying, what if this, what if that? Why can't we do it as super fans? Why can't we play that what if game? What if these guys come out way more ready than we would think they are? What if Chet comes out? His defense is so on point. It's, it's, it's league changing. And he throws in 15, 16 points a game. Then what? We've got three players, four players, five players that are averaging all this. I mean, who knows? Dort, I still I don't want to give up on Dort yet, man. 
Dort could do something crazy and have a huge jump this year. So for us, it's just about sitting back and saying, what if? What if Dort got more efficient and didn't take any more shots? What if J-Dub got, I don't know, 500 more shots? What if Josh Giddy got more efficient? What if jo- or, uh, Shea got 200 more shots, you know? We can all just wish, but that's what I want to do. I want to look at this team and say, man, if this team was able to do this, this, and this, and was able to average, you know, 94, 95, 96 shots a game, there's no way I don't think that we win 55, 60 games. Mm-hmm. No, bro. Dirty. No, I, I, I know. People are like, stop. But listen, if we're shooting that high level of shots, that means that these guys are scoring a ton. And if you're telling me that we have, we're scoring up 120-plus points a game, that you're going to tell me that there's other teams out there that are going to have trouble with our defense or are going to even have trouble getting to 120? Like, that's my point, is that, like, our defense is matched up so well with our offense, it's effortless. We can focus our, a lot of our energy on offense and going quickly. Because if we go down there and we're taking a shot in the first 10 seconds, you know, 12 seconds of that shot clock, right? Then we're coming back and that's 12 seconds on offense. And now we're playing 20 seconds on defense. You know, so we're playing a majority of our minutes on defense there. And I'm totally cool doing that because we can put our effort into that. And having somebody like Chet down low, that's going to block the shit out of everybody. Everybody. Nobody knows what Chet's going to be doing. He's fucked. Everybody's fucked. Just going to fuck people up. But that's my point. Is that like, what if these guys come back out and they're better? What if all this other stuff and, and the stars align for this Thunder team? If the stars align for this Thunder team in the most perfect way, what are we talking about, Mark? Are we talking about 53 games? Are we talking more than 53 games? Like, I'm a super fan, man. I'm not like a, a fucking expert. I'm just sitting here looking at this team and saying, if this team got this amount of shots and, and Shea was able to get, you know, three more shots a game and able to put up 33 points a game and, and, and Chet comes in averaging more points and being a better defender than we thought and J-Dub comes out better than we thought and Josh Giddy comes out better than we thought and, and Dort's defense is on point, maybe not a better score, but it's on point. What if that happens? All right, so if all that happens, then... 57 would probably be because if you look at it, you say you we win, 57. If we win 17 more than we won, that's about the same thing we won last time. We same improvement we made. I think honestly, we'll be much better than last year, and we were a lot better the year before than the year before. But I think our improvement this you, year versus last year will be bigger than last year than in the year before, which. I, I think that's you have to be improve more because the, the next 17 wins are far more difficult to achieve. Like going from 23 to 40 is a lot easier than going from 40 to um, 57. Let's okay. put it that way. So I, I think we have to like, and that's why you need Chet in the equation. I got a question then. I'm looking at this, this West, right? And there's some good teams here in the West. I'm not, I'm not knocking some of the good teams. But I feel like there's more teams that are shitty than people realize. And if we have a couple teams in that 10th and 9th spot that only won 30, you know, I don't know, 37 games or whatever, 
then I could see a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder snatching a few more wins than expected. Because, I mean, that's the thing about it that we don't really truly understand is like, how bad is the, the, the tank session going to be for the next two years for some of these teams? And what if Steph gets injured or Clay gets injured or, you know, what, what, you know, we can play this game all we want. What if LeBron goes down at 40 something years old? Or not quite. I'm he's younger than I am by barely. Okay, but. so let's just let's break it up real quick. So the, the season kind of breaks up into two forty one game sections, right? If we want to win that many games, like we're gonna have to go on a couple of streaks in the first forty one games where we win eight to ten sure. games in a row. Yeah. So and we're gonna need to enter with like a, a say twenty eight and twelve record twenty eight and no, twenty nine and thirty no, twelve record kind of range. Okay. Um, that's really, 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 really hot going into the second half of the season. Sure. Which then we assume like there's going to be some difficult elements of the schedule, which will reduce certain players' availability. Like if we're gonna maintain that level of like winning ratio, it's gonna to have to be through our depth. Sure. Um, do you think we can come out that hot at the start of the season? I mean, we ha- it can't be it can't be like a slow start. Okay. To end all up- right, all right. Yeah. Out of all the teams, if you think about the teams that are ready to play in the the the, um, the league right now, how many more teams have as many players in FIBA as we do? I can't think of anybody. There's, there's maybe one or two, and I can't think of their names. But my, my point about that is, is that those are the teams that are going to be ready because those guys are game ready already. Like those guys have been training to be game ready. They, they haven't let this this off season get to them. They've gone straight from the the end of the year straight to training with their um, um, nation and getting to the fucking ball. Right. So we know that coming into the game. Um, we know that coming into the season. So when you say, can we start the season running while everybody else is walking? Yeah, fuck yeah, we could. I mean, hell yes, we could. But we need mm. everything to align. I mean, everything to align. That means no injuries in the FIBA. Um, that means like uh, minute restrictions on some of these players in FIBA. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that that, that really come into it. So, um, bro, I mean, like, we could be running. I mean, we could be running fast. We could be running so fast that most teams look at us and be like, what the fuck just happened in Oklahoma city? Like, um, we've seen it happen before where a team goes on like, uh, a, you know, an eight game winning streak to start the season, you know, or a seven game winning streak to start the season because they're just ready. And I, I feel, I mean, this team feels like that type of team that could start the game a season and just be like balls to the wall and just going. Because the reality is having all these guys that we have coming off the bench ready to go at any moment, you know, what, what other, what other teams ready to do that? You, you know, like there's a drop off at some point with, with other teams where they're like, okay, well, we can't get past the eighth player. If we do, we're, we're in serious foul trouble, you know, but not with this team. This team's like, okay, next man up, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, and the way that we run, the way that we go, the way that we play defense, the way that's constant, and we're just in people's fucking heads at all times. Like, it's just, it's unlike any other team I've seen put together in the NBA, in NBA history. And a lot of times I sit here thinking like, like, am I seriously that fucking lucky? 
that I get to be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, that I get to watch this Oklahoma City Thunder team develop right in front of me into one of the great teams of, of decades to come. And hell yeah, I am. Hell yeah, you guys are too. Because this team is unlike anything else we've seen. We can go back to it in the beginning. We can go look at every single situation we've seen a team put together. And this team is special. And if you guys can't get on board with us, then that's cool with me. I don't really fucking care. But when you look at teams, and you look at the history of the game, you can start understanding that this team is for real. And there's so many different guys that could be superstars on this team that it could be a surprise. It could be like, oh, yeah, I saw that. But, like, listen, we don't know yet. This team is so far from developing and having guys in their, you know, 25s. You know, I mean, think about this. When these guys are averaging 25 years old, it's scary, bro. Buckle up, bitches. We're here for it. We appreciate you guys joining us. Jared, Wayne, everybody in the chat, man. Wani, for sure. Corey. Um, Who else showed up, man? Um, I saw Robert showed up. So many awesome guys. We appreciate you guys who take time to comment. To let us know your opinion, let us know we're wrong. Shout out Vic, let us know we're wrong. We appreciate you. Invest now, fuckers. The Thunder for real. See you tomorrow, guys. Peace.